how do we choose the right treatment for our patients with multiple myeloma? That's the topic of this Janssen podcast. My name is Peter Rundle and my guest in the studio in Copenhagen is Dr. Annette Wangster, Senior Consultant in the Department of Hematology at Ries Hospitale here in Copenhagen. Welcome, Annette. Thank you very much. Annette, first of all, what is it about the field of hematology that excites you, that, uh, that drives you? I think that um, it's because you have a lot of development in that field, scientifically and also treatment-wise. And you have internal medicine as well as in as you have to be good at treating infections and also acute situations. And that makes it a very exciting field to work with. Uh, and the reason why I chose myeloma as, a, as my way of uh, dealing with hematology is simply because um, I was involved in a project, scientific project about myeloma, and it spurred my interest in the field. And that's... 15, 20 years ago? And yeah, I think it's about 15 years ago and I'm still here. <laughs> You're still here and you've, yeah. you've done a lot of research, you've, uh, you've worked in the clinic, you've seen the development in, in treatment during that time. Now, it, it seems to me that when it comes to patient treatment, there are different schools either choose the best treatment from the outset or make sure always to have something up your sleeve. Some people call it save the best for last. Which, which school do you belong to? Yeah, I think I, I will start with, with another question because um, we have, you have two schools, those that believe that myeloma can be cured and those that believe that it's incurable. And I think that if you believe that myeloma can be cured, then you are aiming for uh, giving the patients an intensive and absolutely best treatment upfront. If you don't believe that myeloma can be cured, you can still aim for the best treatment, of course, um, but then some may think that it's a wise decision to save something for later. And I don't think that this is a general um, opinion in the myeloma field anymore. Um, most people go for the best treatment as soon as possible because it's where the disease is more sensitive to the drugs and it will also give the patient the best life quality if they are, um, can be off treatment and have a long period um, with no disease and no treatment. And when you say most people, I sense that that includes yourself. Yeah, yeah, of, of course. So if we take a, an, a multiple myeloma patient, a generic patient as it were, how do you determine what's the best treatment for that patient? Is there a, a, such a thing as a universal best treatment or is it an individual approach? Well, I think that um, you have guidelines. The International Myeloma Work Group, they um, publish guidelines and we also have a, a Danish group, the Danish Myeloma uh, Study Group, and we um, provide guidelines for the whole country once a year and it's based on phase three studies. And uh, when this is said, then I think that every patient must be treated individually. But these guidelines provide you with um, the combination of drugs that gives the best response and also hopefully um, the best um, 
risk for patient when it comes to um, side effects. But if we look at, as you said, of course there are guidelines, but patients should be treated individually. So what, what would you be looking at in a patient that comes into your clinic? Well, uh, I would be looking at the age of the patient and also comorbidity and um, what they want in life. Some of my patients, and I think some patients in general, they want to travel or maybe they want to be off the hospital and stay as much as they can at home. And so we choose the treatment um, in, in collaboration with the patient. It's simply what we call shared decision-making. And we will provide the patients with the results from these studies and give them our best advice and then ask them where they are in their lives. Some may want to go back to work as soon as possible and others, they, they want to stay away from the hospital and, and be treated with oral drugs. It, it, it varies. If we, then, if we talk about what's the objective of the treatment now, you said earlier that you belong to the school that, that, that believes that this is a disease that can be cured. But for the individual patient, again, what is the objective of his or her treatment? Well, I think life quality is, is uh, what they are aiming for, but I also think that it depends on um, the age of the patients. If you are young, then you want to, um, of course, go for cure. And even older patients would like that too, but it depends on the cost. And when I talk about cost, then I mean uh, what kind of side effects will they suffer from? How much do they want to... Um, um, to how, how long time do we want to spend at the hospital to have this treatment. And some patients may even say, well, I'm 87 years old and I'm here in my life and I don't want to have chemotherapy at all. And then you follow them and you support them the best you can uh, with all the kinds of supportive care that is available for those that do not want chemotherapy. And now we're talking, as you said, quality of life. Um, then there are the objective parameters, complete response, uh, minimal residual disease. How do you balance sort of these, these uh, parameters up against each other? Uh, well, <coughs> this is something I discuss with the patients. I inform them that the knowledge we have today is that you should aim for minimal residual disease because this will give them the best prognosis and um, will also provide them with uh, the longest time off treatment. And you can even aim for minimal residual disease in uh, the elderly. Uh, and I think it's a benefit for them because we know that the myeloma disease develops throughout the years and becomes more and more difficult to treat. So if you have to retreat several times, it also influences uh, their quality of life and uh, they may have comorbidities that you have to cope with as well. So when you aim at uh, giving them the best response and the best treatment up front, then you are actually aiming at giving them the longest period of treatment and the best quality of life, in my opinion. And when you talk about shared decision-making and quality of life, now, obviously, this is an individual approach, as you said earlier. You have to look at the patient that presents herself to you. 
how how much time do you have as a clinician to actually do that? Uh, again, it varies very much. Um, not the time that I have, but what the patient wants. Some patients, they want uh, to discuss every study that is available, the benefit and uh, the risk in these studies and also the results of the studies. And others, they simply um, say to me, well, you have to make that decision. I can't, uh, I'm, I do not have the knowledge, just choose the best treatment for me. And then they follow your advice. But if you have to go through all the studies and the results from the studies, you have to reschedule the patient because it takes time to go through all the results and to um, inform them in detail about the side effects from each drug and, and how they can expect an outcome from these treatments. But, but you're prepared to actually reschedule to take the time that it, that, that it takes to, if, the, if that's what the patient wants? Well, I think that's a must. That's something you have to do. Uh, it's uh, it's a right the patients have that they must be informed about the choices and how these choices will affect their lives. So I think that's not a question, really. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing is if the patient is interested in results from clini clinical trials, but as a, as a clinician, now you've, as I said earlier, you've been involved in both research and treatment, but as a clinician, how do you yourself actually utilize data from clinical trials in, in your treatment? Well, uh, the best thing we have is, of course, randomized phase three studies. But the problem with um, these studies is that um, it requires that the patients are eligible for the studies. So there is a lot of in and exclusion criteria for the patients to participate in these studies. And we know that less than half of the patients are eligible uh, for clinical studies. And it leaves us with a huge population of patients where we do not know the risk benefits of the new treatments and treatment combinations. And we have to take into account their comorbidity. If they had a heart issue, then there are drugs that you should be very careful using. And if they have kidney disease or um, decreased kidney functions, you also have to uh, uh, consider that when you plan the treatment for the patients. And there are several other things that you have to, to include. Um, comorbidities is many things uh, and uh, so that's why I think every patient must be treated individually. And that's why uh, real-life data, real-life evidence is, uh, is an important thing, I guess. Yeah, it is important, uh, but of course there are a lot of drawbacks with real-life uh, or real-world data. Um, but we have to find a way to to establish more knowledge from from uh, the real world. Um, if you are doing randomized trials, phase three trials, you will have an exact measurement of the effect of the drug and also records of the side effects. Uh, and if you are dealing with the general population of myeloma patients with a lot of comorbidity and those that are not eligible for clinical trials, then we don't know what um, uh, the risk-benefit is for these patients. And how we're going to get around these things is, is quite difficult because we have to use the clinical databases that are available. And in Scandinavia, uh, these uh, clinical databases are available in Sweden and in Norway. And I think that that's about it. Nobody else in the world have these data. 
so hopefully we will um, be able to dig into the results from treatment in general and uh, be prepared to look at these results uh, in parallel with the guidelines that are provided from our uh, Danish myeloma study group because they also change uh, throughout uh, the years and are updated every year. So we will be able to, to look at risk benefit of these patients. Finally, Annette, with the increasingly sophisticated ways of, of detecting minimal residual disease in a patient, how do you see treatment paradigms change within the next, let's say, five to ten years? Yeah, I think there is a, a change in our treatment strategy. Uh, I think that we are now moving into the area where we use a targeted approach based on... Um, um, analysis of uh, clonal development in the disease. But I also think that uh, even our concept of high-risk myeloma, which is those patients that have certain cytogenetic abnormalities or certain profiles in gene expression profiling, uh, that, these, uh, that the concept of high-risk will change because we now have several indications from many studies that if the patients become MRD negative, meaning that we cannot measure the disease with very refined methods, then their progression-free survival and overall survival is much better. So um, hopefully this will uh, change so that if the patients are MRD negative, if we can't measure the disease, then it doesn't matter if they are high risk or not, simply because the disease is gone. Then there are other things that I think will be important in future. It is how we can predict the response of a treatment. And there are several methods that have been tried. One of them is the gene expression profiling. It is a difficult um, method to work with because um, it varies from one clinic to the other the results of these analyses. So that's something also we have to work with, uh, how to um, uh, predict the response for, for drugs so that we can design it individually according to the disease that the patient carry. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today in this Janssen podcast. My guest here in our studio in Copenhagen was Dr. Annette Wangster, senior consultant in the Department of Hematology at Rieshospitaler here in Copenhagen. Annette, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me.